0: Coming up, your regularly scheduled podcast. But first, a brief introduction by myself, Maki Yamazaki. A room full of disembodied living heads. A key that decides when it is time for you to think. Ham sandwiches. A dream? You may be an adult now, but are you still scared? Hi, Adam.
1: Hi, I finished coughing.
0: Oh, well done.
1: So, thanks. Thank you. (laughs) I'm Um. I'm ready to pod.
0: Oh, yeah. So I couldn't remember if it was you who introduced me to Return to Oz. Well, I, was, was it? It
1: could have been. I certainly got into it. I, I didn't watch it as a kid. Um, again, hmm. as I've said on previous weeks, there's no way, you know, like <laughs> I would have bailed early on this one. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, the first 20 minutes of Return to Oz are basically... Like Wuthering Heights or something, it just seems to be like some <laughs> desolate gothic.
0: <laughs> S- yeah.
1: So you know, understandably so, I think. Um, but no, I I discovered it. I can't remember who introduced me to it though. Um, it's one of those sort of films that I can imagine just sort of spreads via whispers down hmm. dark alleyways. You know, you're just sort of walking down the street, someone says, "Have you Return to Oz?" You know. <laughs> isn't isn't it's in the kids VHS section. It's not really a kids film, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, I I only saw it probably around the same time you did, if not a little before. Like sometime in my mm. early to mid twenties. So how did you yeah. feel the first time you watched it?
0: I loved it. I I don't think I I don't know. I didn't grow up with The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, I'd maybe seen it once. I think maybe Return to Oz is uh, uncomfortable for people who have fond associations with The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think a
1: lot of Return to Oz is about the fact that it's not The Wizard of Oz and you're not going to get The Wizard of Oz and you can't return to The Wizard of Oz. So, yeah, I think if you're someone who grew up with The Wizard of Oz as a kind of perennial Hmm. children's favourite, it would be particularly distressing because my understanding is... People who love the Wizard of Oz, and I know Roger Ebert loved the Wizard of Oz, and he low You know, I listened to his uh, review, <laughs> and he he hated it. Um, but people yeah. who like the books actually quite like
0: it. It's uh, yeah, much more in the spirit of the books than. Um,
1: yeah, than yeah, I books. absolutely agree. Ah. So, why, why, why would you why would you say that?
0: Um, it's um
1: sorry this is this is me going into total like lecturer mode this is what i'm like with my students you know, like they like they're, they're, they'll they'll say something kind of loose right and then i'm like okay well define exactly like, i was doing this today with them talking about adam curtis documentaries you know like they're like oh well the music choices are a bit strange I'm, like strange how i don't know because strange in what way <laughs>
0: Yeah, sorry. um, I don't know (laughs) leafy (laughs) things. Um, it's uh, the feeling of a kind of. I mean, it's a lot less uh, heartwarming (laughs) (laughs) than uh, the delightful adventures of the Wizard of Oz. Um, it's more just a series of unusual places and people that (laughs) that happen um without really any um overarching meaning to them (laughs) necessarily
1: yeah it's definitely one thing after another um whereas i guess i mean the original mgm musical is like that but i guess the way musicals work is they have these song and dance numbers which sort of hold the whole thing together So they feel Hmm. more coherent than they actually are, almost. Yeah. But my sister said so. I didn't think I'd get Phoebe to watch any of this, to be honest, because Uh she really hates certain analogue special effects, but like old puppets and that kind of thing. Like she does not, you know, I I love this kind of stuff, but my my sister really Hmm. doesn't. And she didn't like The Wizard of Oz when she was a kid and found it scary. And I'd shown her the front cover of the DVD which is probably more troubling than the film itself in many ways. I don't know, like, on my, you've got this sort of slightly, I don't know, it's very odd, this kind of slightly glossy looking drawing or maybe painting of the characters and everyone sort of looks like they're kind of made of porcelain or something. Like, especially Dorothy on the front, she looks kind of like one of those Toby jugs. (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay Uh, yeah it
1: it looks like they've all got a sort of eggshell finish but anyway Mm. i didn't think she'd like it but actually she kind of got into it and said she much preferred it to the wizard of oz and her main reason which i Mm. thought was quite a good observation was that she said she found Dorothy a lot more relatable and she found the characters much easier to get along with so she said in the original she felt all the characters were always literally having to make a song and dance of things she felt they were always trying Mm -hmm. to entertain her basically as a viewer and she said she didn't like it it felt kind of try hard and Mm -hmm. I guess as a cynical 90s kid like you know she would she would feel like that 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 there's a certain sense of let's escape the Great Depression with enforced happiness, everyone, in the original (laughs) Wizard of Oz. Um, And I think, I don't know if it's partly knowledge about the production after the fact, but she said she doesn't like the original Dorothy because it seemed like she was just pretending to be happy. And, Mm. I mean, obviously, we know that Judy Garland was very much pretending to be happy. It was a really miserable filming experience. You know, it's...
0: This might be a good point to give a a little, little summary. Um, so uh, Return to Oz is set six months after The Wizard of Oz um, and we come back to Kansas and everything is not going very well at all obviously the house got destroyed in the hurricane and um, Uncle Henry is in kind of a funk and he isn't like building the new house as fast as he, as he should be and Aunt Em can't cope with all the farm chores and Dorothy can't sleep and she keeps telling people her stories of Oz and they don't believe her and like even Bellina the chicken um, isn't laying eggs and is uh, being threatened with being cooked up um, so it's fairly it's a fairly bleak um, setup and they're unable to work out what to do with Dorothy um, so they take her to a doctor for electric healing
1: <laughs> what you need yeah. is a little electric healing
0: <laughs> yeah uh, um, my, my, my so, sister
1: made a very mortified face at that line i remember <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and sort of as as uh dorothy and aunt em leave the farm to go to the city to see this doctor toto doesn't come with them and he kind of howls mournfully at this misty field and it's just like <laughs> it's yeah it's uh it's pretty grim although as my, um, my
1: sister cheerfully pointed out the real Toto would be long dead, so it's a fake Toto
0: (laughs) anyway. It's just a replacement Toto. It's (laughs) fine. (laughs) Um, So...
1: But yeah, so so Dorothy's taken off to um, this very kind of gothic-looking Victorian-style hospital. Yeah. And the uh, sort of superciliously friendly avuncular doctor... Um, talks very patronisingly to Dorothy um, and says, I know just the thing to oh cheer. Oh,
0: he's the Gnome King, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: He's, he's the same guy who. He... Uh, oh,
0: yeah, okay, right, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just, just, just got that, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, the outer world mirrors the inner world of us.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, mm. <laughs> was, was it because of my Gnome King voice?
0: Yeah, um, it's because you said um, avuncular and I'd been thinking about how the Gnome King had this avuncular but sinister manner. He
1: does! Yeah, well, well, it, it's it's funny because, you know, many uncles must also be fathers, but, you know, there are <laughs> uncle uncles. It's, it's a specific type, isn't it? Mm. Like, can you imagine <laughs> having an uncle for a father? Mm.
0: <laughs> well,
1: yeah, that's not the thing. So, anyway, yeah, he says, I know just the thing to cheer Dorothy up. Electrocution, um, it, it turns out to be. And his EST machine has a face which he delights in showing Dorothy. And, of course, uh, we talked about how so he ends up becoming the Gnome King in Oz. And the electric shock therapy machine becomes TikTok, Dorothy's loyal soldier friend. Uh-huh. Um, So it's it's nice that even the electric shock therapy machine gets its own starring role in The Land of Oz, too. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yes. Um, So there's a number of uh, quite ghoulish touches when Dorothy is at the hospital. I particularly enjoyed Dorothy retelling the macabre story of the Tin Man to... (laughs) the Doctor and um, Aunt Em who's sitting there looking like ashen faced and it's, this is like pretty much kind of verbatim from the you know, the book The Wizard of Oz, it's like <laughs> and then he accidentally chopped off his right leg and then he replaced it with a tin leg and then he accidentally chopped off his other leg and then he replaced that with a tin leg
1: <laughs> I think it's very good in that it kind of recasts the events of The Wizard of Oz in a troubling new light I think I imagine to a yeah. lot of viewers because, you know, it's like that stuff is there in the original, but I guess because the MGM musicals so happy and bright, like you wouldn't think. Hang on a minute, that's that's pretty worrying.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that was pretty good. Weirdly, this whole <laughs>
1: this whole framing narrative of the character coming back from you know a fantastical world and then no one believing them and then being diagnosed as being mentally unwell was copied. Seemingly verbatim yeah. by American McGee for his early two thousands, edgelord uh, Goth Fest American McGee's Alice, which was his eighteen uh, oh, no. rated no. form. Did you did he play it or you? <laughs> no,
0: but I've, I think I've heard you talk about it. We
1: <laughs> um, were just like, oh, imagine if Alice from Alice in Wonderland actually was like just crazy and all this stuff like was products of a twisted mind but maybe it was real you know like and i kind of find it funny that you know walt disney came up with well not walt disney himself clearly unless the dead walt disney from beyond the grave but um, uh, but, but, Yeah. yeah that disney had released um a film two decades earlier with exactly this plot line so, edgy enough for an 18-rated game, and edgy enough for a PG-rated kids' film.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, Dorothy spends the night in this little, like, cell-like room, and has like, peeling paint on the walls, and a tiny window, and it's raining outside, and she can hear the screams of <laughs> other patients and so on. Um, uh, who,
1: who, who we, are, we are informed, are locked in the basement.
0: Yes, and um, they, were, they were damaged, and they were locked in the basement. Uh, and we get informed, hopefully. Um.
1: Just in case, you know, just in case the kids thought, thought everything was OK.
0: Yeah. Just in
1: case they thought the screaming was just a normal part of the treatment.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. And then the nurse, the very, very austere, terrifying Nurse who becomes Princess Mombi comes to take Dorothy to her treatment, and she has to lay down on the uh, on the gurney and be strapped down. Um, she's taken to the machine, and it's uh, you know about to be turned on, and then there's a power cut. Right. Um, <laughs> and okay, and I suddenly had this realisation while watching this that it reminded me very much of Brazil
1: that's really interesting because I totally thought of Brazil and I thought oh <laughs> I might bring up Brazil because I know it's one of Ren's favorite films and then I was like ah oh, bit, you know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tangent so I, I don't think I will so I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I, I I also thought huh it's kind of like grubby um, steampunk in the way that Brazil is
0: <laughs> yeah and it is a bit of a tangent but I kind of want to go into it because it's Brazil is one of my favourite films. Um, (laughs) Okay, sure, I'm
1: I'm interested in where this is going.
0: Okay. Uh, Also released in 1985, by the way, uh, directed by Terry Gilliam. In that film, um, the main character, Sam Lowry, is a low-level bureaucrat in a sort of 1984-esque dystopia who escapes reality through fantastical romantic daydreams. And um, at the end, he's arrested and is strapped to a chair in the depths of an old power station. And he's about to be tortured by his old friend, Jack. And Jack's sort of coming towards him. And uh, just then, these rescuers abseil down the walls of the power plant. They kill Jack, they escape with Sam. And he runs away to the country to live in an idyllic cottage with the woman he loves. Um... (laughs) <laughs> Until actually, then it's revealed that this was just another fantasy, and the film ends with him still strapped into this chair, and he's entirely lost connection with reality. No, 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 it, ah. no, it
1: does doesn't, Ren. The the, <laughs> the, the the American the American version is canon, my friend.
0: Oh yes. Oh no. I'm sorry. Uh, he runs away to live in the idyllic cottage with the woman he loves, and then the theme tune plays.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then Terry Gilliam had the audacity <laughs> to change it. <laughs> Like a fool. (laughs) So. So, are you trying (laughs) to suggest that maybe this ever-so-convenient power cut and (laughs) was all a little bit too convenient?
0: It's, It's just a little bit too convenient. You know, there's a power cut and then there's this mysterious little girl and she leads Dorothy by the hand and they escape and they go to the river and then they get washed away. And the
1: little girl drowns in the river.
0: The little girl drowns, yeah.
1: I mean, we Um, hear at the end of the film that everyone, apart from the Doctor, who dies trying to rescue his beloved ECT machine friend, um, (laughs) survived. uh, uh, survived, um, Mm. But the way it's phrased suggests it's everyone who was in the building survived and the mysterious unnamed little girl wasn't in the building the last time you know we see her no, is is, no. is struggling in the river so it is left quite disturbingly open i think <laughs> as to whether she does drown <laughs> so i think it is unfair to say in fact that um the dorothy has nothing when she's left in the cell because um, Osma first turns up when she's in, in the cell so she sort of suddenly appears there, the door's locked, and yet this little girl is suddenly magically in the room, and she gives her a little pumpkin, right? Yeah. Um, and Oh, yeah. And then Dorothy, you know, she, she doesn't have much to do, but she does find a way to occupy herself. She combs the imaginary hair of the pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Which I thought was very charming. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think if, if
1: you're locked away in a gothic Victorian hospital, combing the imaginary hair of a pumpkin mm. is definitely a good way to occupy your time.
0: Yeah, it's a good touch, yeah. yeah. sweet. Um, it's uh, Feruza Balk um, playing Dorothy.
1: So anyway, so, they, yeah. they, so, so they go to the screen.
0: They're washed away. Dorothy manages to clamber onto a piece of wood the other girl presumably drowns. We don't know. And then when Dorothy wakes up, she's she's in the deadly desert in Oz, um, and she has Belina, the chicken, with her. <laughs> um, who can talk? Belina. although to- Who can
1: talk? Who, Toto never talked, right? I
0: don't think I so. I don't think,
1: I'm fairly sure.
0: I'm 85% I'm fairly
1: sure. Toto. I, to be fair, I've watched The Wizard of Oz in the last two years and so I really should remember that <laughs> okay um, and unless I've repressed some kind of like Toto voice from my head like hey Dorothy, let's keep on going yeah. down that road or something <laughs> um, yeah but I don't, I don't think I don't think that happened so
0: <laughs> no in the book uh, the Marvelous Land of Oz. When Belina talks, uh, she says that her name is Bill, and Dorothy finds that insufficiently feminine <laughs> and calls her Belina. Um, but we don't get that backstory in the film, which is a shame because there's um, a lovely bit
1: in um, the third book, I think, where we meet Linda again, and she ends up um, being kind of put in a chi- in a chicken coop, basically, and. Within just a day of being away mm. from Ozma and Dorothy, um, she has mm. reverted to calling herself Bill and acting like <laughs> a chicken and getting into fights, basically. And Dorothy's quite annoyed <laughs> and upset by this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, and,
1: and basically, like either Dorothy or Ozma is like, oh, God, "Look at you! You know, you've got a half an eye out, and you know, you've got blood on you and you have feathers all over, <laughs> it. and um." A bill goes on. Oh, you should you should see the other one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on then. <laughs> so maybe we should call her Bill, as that is her preferred name. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: fine with calling her Bill. Did you want to talk briefly about the sort of gender play in the books? Oh
0: yeah, shall we? Yeah.
1: Um, I think we can we can digress on our on our path through the plot of. <laughs> Return to Oz with it with a digression.
0: Okay, um, it is it's great. Okay, so basically in in the marvelous land of Oz, um, the character that we're introduced to is a boy called Tip, who is under the kind of guardianship of the old witch Mombi, and is put to work by her. And um, so this is a slightly a different iteration of Mombi than in Return to Oz. And there's um, yeah, there's a pretty delightful twist at the end of the book where it turns out that this character tip has been princess Ozma all along uh, enchanted by Mombi to be a boy and um all the the, the the sort of gang of misfits reassure tip that they will like him just as much when he's a girl <laughs> and then I've, I've got this drawn this quote out because it was great um when he's transformed back into Ozma, he says um I hope none of you will care less for me than you did before. I'm just the same tip, you know. Only, only, only you're different, said the pumpkin head. And everyone thought that it was the wisest speech he had ever made. <laughs> and I I just I just cannot not, like, read that as an uh, affirming trans narrative. I'm just <laughs> incapable of not seeing it like that. So it won my heart.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was definitely something that was really charming about the books, that as with Bill the Chicken... Or oh, hen it seems like it's very it's very on side with the idea that identities are inherently unstable and in states of flux and that's okay mm-hmm. and we should kind of have, you know, a on the moment kind of DIY kind of approach to things. Mm-hmm. Um like one thing that um one of the reviews said negatively about return to us uh, which i really disagree with so they said well they said oh, you know this band of misfits or something like that and in a sort of derogatory way you know mm. are, are too weird for kids to like um and they're weird enough that you can't tell them apart from from the bad guys whereas you know in the original uh. and like that's what makes return to Oz really charming i think probably what is probably why it connected with a lot of odd outcast kids right mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. is because all these characters are kind of making up their identities as they go along and doing their best of it and that it's got this I think that the, the villains right in the Oz books mm. and this comes across in Return to Oz bit are those who insist too strongly on the stability of identity basically Hmm. It tends to be those who kind of get obsessed with certain um, status symbols.
0: Oh, for instance. right, so like, you're only a scarecrow, you can't possibly do that. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Or, yeah. say, the Gnome King gets very caught up on these quite labyrinthine arguments about why it's okay for him to turn people into objects, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, it's quite patently immoral to turn people into objects. Mm -hmm. And yet he manages to kind of almost convince himself because, you know, he's a king and it's okay for him to do this. And otherwise they'd be slaves and, well, they're happier as objects. And Mm
0: -hmm.
1: most of the kind of villainous characters basically speak from authority, but don't have any actual way of backing up what they're saying.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Whereas, like, the heroes tend to, I guess, speak from a place of love and compassion and while all the heroes are oddly, I don't want to say they kind, of, but they are kind of like pragmatist in the kind of William Jamesian American pragmatist way, that their philosophies are basically based on what's needed in the moment and mm-hmm. to approach these things with uh, you know a, a swing in their step and an honourable smile and you know like like decency, yeah. basically <laughs> like <laughs> resilience and decency are essentially two traits and not taking yourself too seriously, I guess.
0: Yes, um, and I think the Gump is quite uh, is quite representative of that. He <laughs> just kind of has this kind of...
1: Uh, so how, so how, <laughs> do you, how do you explain the Gump for those oh, you who haven't, you haven't seen um, Return to Oz or read the books?
0: Yes, um, so the Gump is a creature who is made in a hurry to escape Earth escape different situations in the book and the film, but anyway, to escape. He was made of a couple of sofas pushed together and tied together and uh, some palm leaves for wings and then uh, the head of uh, of a creature called a gump, which is a sort of antlered beast. It's a m- um, moose, moose-like
1: creature. A kind of
0: moose-like thing. And, um, and these are all... Uh, hastily tied together and then the uh, with the powder of life sprinkled on top to become a kind of creature <laughs> and um, the, the gump is, is just sort of very like amiably confused by existence and <laughs> by, by being this this gump that he is now <laughs> having last last year remembered being a, a moose like creature running through a forest. But it, it's kind of accepting of this turn of fate and uh, just sort of gets on with it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is um, like, like when they ask the gump to fly. It's like, well, um, I haven't done it before, but hey, yeah, you know, I'll give it a go.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It actually reminded me a bit of the, um, less tragically um, at least, um, of the whale in Hitchhikers.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: so in Hitchhiker's, yeah, and um, the uh, Infinite Improbability Drive creates a whale just in space, out of nothing, um, and it spends most of its short existence as it plummets towards an Earth, uh, just sort of bemusedly remarking on how curious it is to be alive and trying to name all things. <laughs> yeah,
0: it. I I feel like Douglas Adams probably read these these books. I don't know, I have no proof no, of that. No, but, I, but um, they, they
1: do have a kind of Douglas adams sense of humour. Like,
0: yeah, I, I found, them, I found them, a, them
1: a lot funnier than I was expecting.
0: Yeah, the bit that um, uh, that also reminded me of Douglas Adams was um, the, the character of the Hungry Tiger in, um, in Oslo of Oz. <laughs> I really
1: like that Hungry Tiger.
0: <laughs> the Hungry Tiger's great. Um, so, so,
1: I, have, you, a, have you got the whole eating babies bit?
0: I do, I yes. have it here, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Uh, he's a character who's um, constantly at war between his hunger and his conscience um, aren't we all uh, uh, (laughs) aren't we all (laughs) and um, the the gnome king this is the the sort of final part of the book and the gnome king's like what more do you want to the hungry tiger and the hungry tiger says a fat baby I want a fat baby a nice plump (laughs) juicy tender fat baby but of course if I had one my conscience would not allow me to eat it (laughs) So I will have to be an ornament and forget my hunger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and then you get stuff about the sort of the unfair assumptions that come with stable identities, right? Because Dorothy says to the the hungry tiger. Oh, it seems like you're a very good tiger, and he says, "Oh no, no, I'm not a very good tiger. If I was a, you know, if I was a good tiger, I'd be eating the baby bit, because that's what's a, that's what's expected of a tiger. I'm actually a very bad tiger."
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Yeah. So you have a lot of these characters are often kind of forced to fit into a certain role, and they don't really do it, and so they kind of muddle along the best they can, and. That's all really charming and like I do think that's something that return to was still manages to preserve. Like I really mm. like how damn rickety uh Jack Pumpkinhead looks, for instance.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I find it a little bit disturbing how his the sticks of his knees are broken and like <laughs> barely <laughs> barely connected together. Um but it is it's it's a good effect like he looks incredibly uh, ramshackle.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really does look sort of jumbly, jumbled together and they mm. do this odd, I don't know if it's a sort of video effect, I'm not I spent quite a lot of the time in the film trying to work out how they did different special effects and one thing I like that sort of suits this DIY approach is that, mm. you know, it has bits of stop motion in there um, apparently courtesy of Will Vinton mm-hmm. famous American stop motion animator mm-hmm. You know, it has uh, blue screening mm-hmm. bits, it has some kind of video editing trickery going on I think it just sort of froze like loads of different special effects at the screen and you know hopes for the best basically <laughs> um, it
0: looks great though
1: which yeah it does it mm. I mean it was directed mm. by Walter Murch who mm. apparently um worked on a lot of um Francis Ford Capella's films in the 70s. So mm-hmm. he's had a sort of prestige career. So he did the sound design for The Conversation, for instance, with Gene Hackett. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also did the director's cut uh, re-edit of Apocalypse Now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. so so he's not coming from a traditional... The kind of background you'd expect for someone who's directing Return to Oz. You know, he's coming from... Mm-hmm. Um, Prestige isn't quite the right word, but, you know, the new American cinema of the 70s, which is generally Mm. known for ushering in an era of good cinematography and good lighting to American cinema. And I think that's all on display in Return to Oz. I really do think it looks very good. Mm. Especially the lighting. There's some great lighting in it. Especially Mumbai, um, this witch, she has... Casements of heads, basically. So she switches out her heads to change, suit her identity. I mean, it, it mostly seems to be fairly fickle in her cases. It mostly seems to be based on how she wants to look. So there's a bit where they, uh, Dorothy and friends, have to sneak into um, cupboard of heads, and the lighting in this scene is incredible. We've got this lovely low key lighting with these great pools of darkness, and it's really so sort of dark and expressionistic and mm-hmm. makes it all the scarier and the costumes do you want to talk about the costumes? I mean like, um, like the wheelers
0: oh the wheelers <laughs> well um,
1: so in the yeah, in the original yeah. illustrations, the wheelers just have like a spotty shirt on under rough
0: oh okay i haven't actually seen the illustrations because I was reading the um project gutenberg download Ah, on my kindle Wow! if you Um, if you
1: look at the right project gutenberg download you can see the pictures
0: yes ah
1: with gutenberg you get like the different formats Mm.
0: Uh, okay no so i haven't seen any of the pictures but um they are described in uh, Ozma of oz as wearing uh being clothed most gorgeously in embroidered garments of many colors and wearing straw hats Touch jauntily on the side of their heads um, and also as uh, all clad in uh, splendid tight-fitting garments <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in the film they're kind of <laughs> I don't, I don't what, what are they they're like Adam and the ants
1: <laughs> <laughs> they are like Adam and the ants actually yeah um, well th- but, they're kind of like if a group of spider monkeys, <laughs> went to a junkyard and tried to set up an Adam and the Ants tribute band.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and they have these masks that they sort of flip down over their face or have on the top of their head, which are all connected with wires. And then they have, obviously, wheels on their... Or at the end of all their limbs, which are, pa- which are incredibly incredibly long,
1: and but apparently according to the books, and obviously you don't get this in the film, made of um, kind of bone, basically.
0: That's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that their their wheels were of the same hard substance that our fingernails and toenails are composed of. <laughs> ah, which, yeah. which is great.
1: Yeah. Just imagining your fingernails like it's... curling round to make little wheels.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the Wheelers are um, for people who did see return to Oz. So the as kids. yeah the
1: Wheelers are the first antagonists. So Dorothy uh, to to get back onto the Yellow Brick Road mm. finds herself in the Deadly Desert and um, basically plays a kid's game of lava to get to the end of the desert without stepping on the sand and turning horribly to sand first comes across her first and she sees a message saying beware it's like graffitied i think in the mm. film it's um written out on the cell written in the sand um in the book that says beware, mm-hmm. beware the wheelers yeah and uh, <laughs> very soon after seeing this message uh the wheelers appear
0: yeah and it's it's particularly horrible sounds when they appear. <laughs> um, it's these screeching wheels and cackling. Um, and I was just reading an article on Den of Geek. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes um, that uh, points out that the sound of the wheelers is the same as the sort of creaking hospital trolleys oh, um, wow. as they trundle through the corridors. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's really clever. Like, yeah. <laughs> I
1: didn't. Yeah, you can and you can imagine them being called colloquially wheelers, can't you? Like, I'll get mm-hmm. the wheeler for patient in block six. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and they uh, they chase Dorothy um, into a into a little room that she, which is where she finds TikTok. So who then um, t- beats them off? Yeah. But, yeah. So
1: TikTok's the a sort of one one man or one robot army of Oz.
0: Yes, who is uh, controlled by clockwork and he has uh, his three, uh, uh, three winches, uh, one to control his action, one to control his talking and one to control his thought, and they can all wind down at different times, so you have to, Dorothy has to keep winding him up in uh, various ways.
1: It, um, it's really sad, like, the idea <laughs> that, yeah, he's dependent Especially, like, you know, there's, there's a real horror in that, I think. The idea of his, you know, movements running down but then his thoughts still going and that he's you yeah. know, dependent on someone else to, to solve this for him.
0: Yeah, was, I think Dorothy says, oh, why didn't they? Why didn't they make it so you could wind yourself?
1: Yeah, she <laughs> does, actually, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he manages to uh, to beat off the, uh, the wheelers um, with, with a lunch. Was gonna, yeah,
1: with a pail about the head.
0: <laughs> um and then the uh the next antagonist is princess mumby
1: of, of who, the many heads
0: of the many heads who is a kind of amalgamation of two characters from the marvelous land of Oz and Ozma of Oz. so there's the old witch mumby in um the marvelous land of oz um who seems to basically have the personality of Princess Monbi in the film. like Yeah. Very malevolent. Um, and then there's the character, uh, Princess uh, Langwider, in um, Ozma of Oz, who is the, the character who wants to take Dorothy's head, and who has a collection of heads. Um, although she's uh, rather more scatterbrained and just sort of vain rather than actively... Uh, evil.
1: Yeah, she's quite easily placated and doesn't seem mm. to really wish Dorothy any real harm. Well, she does want to take her head off, but mm. apart from that... She,
0: she was going to give her another one. Yeah,
1: though. that's true. She was going to give her... It's not like she was going to leave her with no head. She's not a monster. <laughs> she was, to be fair to her, going to chop her head off and replace it with an old head she didn't want yes.
0: anymore. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: But, but Dorothy obviously is quite particular about having her own head, and so mm. um yeah, refuses this, and so yeah, this is where in return was she um well she she meets Jack pumpkinhead up in the uh, attic or the top story of uh Mumby's castle, and uh then together they they make the gump mm
0: mm-hmm. yes.
1: And then it's really just sort of on to the Gnome King, really. Like, yeah. Um, I think the thing I say, I really like Return to Oz, um, but it has a very long beginning and a very long end.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So there's not all that much incident. Once she sort of met the characters, basically, mm. and, you know, once the central party have uh, got together, it's off on the back of the gump to get to the Gnome King's um, rocky palace. Um, I mean, um, they have a bit of um you know misadventure on the way there, don't they, because the gump kind of falls apart or something?
0: Oh, yes, and it seems like they might land in the deadly desert for a moment but uh but they don't um but yeah, it's uh, it's fairly um just like one thing after another, um one antagonist after another, yeah, um,
1: yeah, although you know it's all it works, I think because yeah like, I think it does. That's kind of what you want in a way in a kid's film. Like <laughs> yeah. um you know, it's it certainly there's no real downtime, you know, there's always something happening mm. and something to catch your attention.
0: Yeah. Um and um the Gnome King is um as we sort of mentioned earlier, he's a I think he's an interesting um he's an interesting villain because um he's a, a very avuncular <laughs> and um he uh, in the book he keeps talking about how he's a extremely kind and merciful while actually being very cruel and calculating um so yeah um,
1: he's and he's very good at justifying or seeming to justify his cruelties right using kind of legalistic mm. language yeah like one thing i kind of liked about the Oz books is you get the sense that um Barma is very much someone who's on side with the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law mm-hmm like you know generally if he feels the characters are being kind and decent well you know let them go on with it where say the mm-hmm. gnome king who is able to kind of because he's king of course and so has the power to write the mm-hmm. laws and so is very mm-hmm. able to back up all this cruelty legalistically but he's obviously not acting out of any compassion or genuine kindness um
0: so um the gnome king has transformed the scarecrow into an ornament and uh he gives the uh, assembled crew a certain number of guesses to go in and guess which ornament is the scarecrow. And if they, if they get it right, they can leave with the scarecrow, and if not, then they also get turned into an ornament. Which uh, is again um, bringing up this, um, this theme of um, a sort of fluidity between people and objects and what is consciousness? <laughs> and,
1: um, yeah. What, what does it mean to be a being with agency and to be afforded that right, almost?
0: Mm-hmm. Which um. Yeah. Is there? As there's also in the film, um, all the inhabitants of the Emerald City have been turned into statues.
1: In 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 a scene very reminiscent, because uh, this isn't in in the book, to my knowledge, mm. not the two we've read. Um, yeah. And it seemed very reminiscent of Narnia to me.
0: It was extremely Narnia, yeah. <laughs> there was even a lion. I yeah, yeah, say. yeah. Um,
1: although, <laughs> l- luckily, Dorothy's too decent to draw a comedy moustache from the stone lion. Um. <laughs> 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 Unlike that Edmund.
0: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Edmund.
1: Don't, don't worry, he's reformed. He's not as bad as Susan. <laughs> I heard she likes parties.
0: (laughs) Oh, Susan. I heard she owns a fur coat and it doesn't go down to her ankles.
1: Yeah, and, well, we know that all her siblings are going to die and she's not going to go to heaven, so... I I don't know why I'm imagining C.S. Lewis as being so catty, but, you know, that's probably how I'm picturing him. (laughs) Um, Basically, you know, I I grew up with the Narnia books, and I kind of wish now I'd grown up with the Oz books, because I think there's a lot more human warmth and kindness and and decency in the Oz books than there ever were in the Narnia books, frankly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do... Um, I feel like it's a shame that they're not so much read anymore because they—I think they definitely hold up.
1: Yeah, um, yeah really charming. Like, um, hmm. yeah, I don't know if it's that the the musical so kind of overtook the fame and popularity hmm. of the books, or that they kind of lumped in with late Victorian era kids' literature, like. Yeah, it's very different from. I mean, the, the Water Babies is a bit earlier, and you'll probably end up doing the Water Babies <laughs> on a different podcast. I imagine That's all sorts of horrible. that um, doesn't have that kind of school teacherly, hectoring tone that, say, the Water Babies has. Mm. It's just really nice, like, which is funny yeah. to say something like, yeah, you because know, it's quite morbid and melancholy in its way, <laughs> and there's lots of horrible mm. stuff. But there's something really good, genuinely good-natured about them that I found really charming.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I heard you just got um the the complete collection now. Oh. So I'm um, I'm going to read more of them. Cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know Patchwork Girl of Oz is meant to be one of the mm. best ones in of the series um cuz I know it was made in part into a hypertext game. Yes. <laughs> like combi- combining it. Um I think uh, Shelley Jackson combining it with bits from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm. Cool. Really, really good. Um, I wasn't sure if you were going to say anything about um, the reappearance of the Ruby Slippers.
0: Oh, um, yeah, I didn't know quite what to do with that. Uh, no, <laughs> neither did I. <laughs> um.
1: Because it seems like it's the only gender play you get in the th- film which is a shame because the gender play is very refreshing in the books and for a very old book now you know it's really well Mm. done I think and it's a bit creepy or made to be a bit creepy in the film and
0: yeah it doesn't have the same sort of matter of fact acceptance it's more sort of a bit more just oh he's he's wearing (laughs) He's wearing these feminine shoes. It's the gnome king.
1: Um. Yeah, and it's done in this sort of odd way that his feet are kind of veiled, right? So they're kind mm. of hidden by I don't know if it's part of his costume or the throne. And then he kind of wiggles them out, right? So he kind of you know shows the shoes, and like haw, 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 I'm wearing the shoes. And then he sort of wiggles them back and hides them again. And he keeps it sort of like mm. like a tongue. He sort of pokes them out, and but they're, they're, <laughs> I don't know. It's done in this sort of weirdly. I don't say not exactly lascivious kind of way, but <laughs> Yeah Sort of. It's I don't know, it's very odd and like I don't so I don't quite know what they're trying to do with it.
0: Um No. No me neither. Yeah, and as you say, it's a shame that that's sort of <laughs> the only kind of gender gender play that we get. Yeah, so um, I mean the
1: the film definitely adapts a lot more from Osmer of Oz. Than mm. the second book, um, so we only meet Ozma as Ozma. Yeah. You know, we 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 don't yeah. know that Ozma has lived out a large part of her life as Tip, for instance. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, we we I guess we don't get any of that. Which so, i think yeah. you know. I think generally the film does quite a good job of taking the best bits from the book, bu- the two books.
0: Yeah. But, um,
1: yeah, it was a shame to miss that.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: And um, and then things sort of end, right? Like um
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so we have the the, the, the bizarre um <laughs> the bizarre defeat of the Gnome King in which we find out that, that Gnome Kings are allergic to eggs.
1: Which to be fair is in the book.
0: It yes, it's not any less odd in the book.
1: Um yeah. Um... <laughs> that that perhaps <laughs> was the one thing maybe they shouldn't have kept from the book. <laughs> because <laughs> it kind of feel it almost feels like you know and you know maybe it was just like anti-comedy like a hundred years too early you know this is the kind of thing <laughs> tim and eric would have done so it kind of feels like a joke without a punchline yeah but you know like the amando ianucci joke what's big and small at the same time <laughs> a big egg yeah <laughs> Like, I guess we, we all know and appreciate that eggs are inherently funny. So
0: yes, they are. <laughs> and also in the book, Dorothy um, just turns lots of the uh, the Gnome King's warriors into eggs, <laughs> and they just roll along the floor.
1: That's was a shame they didn't do that. There, actually, that was quite good. And then I, I like the fact that you know the warriors are clearly quite decent, and so they stop. They're like, oh my god, I don't want to step on you know my comrades who have now turned into eggs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. she doesn't turn them back either they're just eggs now <laughs>
1: but you know maybe yeah. being an egg I'd rather be an egg than an ornament
0: <laughs> yeah actually you could hatch maybe yeah
1: although what would you hatch another egg <laughs> in in infinitely forever
0: <laughs> a
1: series of infinitely nesting hatching eggs <laughs> yeah what a life Um. (laughs) better than the life of um poor jack Pumpkinhead. so in the books um there's a fair amount of poor jack the laments that as his head's a pumpkin it's probably going to spoil after a couple of weeks and so he's not going to live very long and everyone else kind of gives him the brush off about this i felt
0: (laughs) yeah that they are not particularly uh concerned with his plight. I mean,
1: consider they're normally quite a compassionate bunch, really, but they have <laughs> a bit of a blind spot when it comes to pumpkin head people apparently. Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, I think maybe Tip says that he'll um <laughs> that he'll can Jack's head <laughs> before he spoils, but I don't know if that's really
1: yeah, and I don't, think it's, I don't think the idea is that his consciousness will be preserved in the can. I think it's like, it's like for posterity. It's kind of like saying, I oh, don't worry, yeah. I'll give you a really nice gravestone, so don't sweat the fact that you're really <laughs> ill, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it doesn't seem to reassure Jack any. He seems to be quite... Mm. doesn't like the idea. Um, but I did find it quite tragic, really genuine pathos in the fact that in the book, and this doesn't happen at all in the film um, in the second Oz book there's a point where there's a uh, they've got this box filled with um, powder of life, which is what's used to bring Jack to life, and it's got a hidden compartment, like a secret bottom and underneath it are three pills, and they're wishing pills you take one and then you make a wish basically and they find these uh and so you know this is essentially like a genie's lamp these can do anything seemingly and so when they find them jack says oh you know i can i can make a wish uh to wish that my head won't spoil and they're all like oh yeah yeah we could do that you know But maybe later mate okay um and, and then they end up in, like, a giant nest being attacked by birds, and so they're like, right, better use one of these pills to wish we were somewhere outside of this giant nest. Okay, fa- mm. fair enough, it's a present danger. Um, and I sort of assumed, oh, well, what will happen at the end of the book is, you know, they'll have these pills and then Tip, because he's Jack's friend, will use one of the pills to, um, you know, to, 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 to give Jack a different head, or to give him, you know, like, a non-moldy pumpkin head, some, something. And no, it just turns out that the Scarecrow loses the pills. <laughs> so like, oh, do you have any more? And he's like, oh, God, you know what, mate? I think I just, like, left them in the nest. <laughs> you know those pills yep. that were, like, the most powerful thing in the entire universe and could do anything? Mm. Just left them in a nest. <laughs> Sorry. And, and instead of, like, getting upset, everyone's just like, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> there you go oh, T- too oh late well. worry about it now <laughs> and so yeah. like that's it Jack doesn't get to live for any more than like a week or a month or however long it is because the scarecrow <laughs> lost the pills <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep.
1: like you know I think it's to Jack's credit he doesn't just throttle the scarecrow right then because <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> if yeah. I was here I would be pretty upset
1: to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's not actually. There's not, I mean, there's not all that much of the Scarecrow and the Tin Man in the second and third book, but there certainly isn't very much of them in Return to Oz. And
0: mm.
1: one thing I imagine that a lot of viewers of the original might have found scary is that their faces look very different to the original faces.
0: They do! Even I noticed that and I'm not very familiar with the originals, but I did think, ooh, they look a bit wrong.
1: But that's because they look much, much closer to the original drawings.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So they're quite clearly, I mean, obviously it's non-MGM film, so it's quite Mm. clearly perhaps making it obvious that these are based on the characters from the barn books, which are owned Mm. at that point by Disney, right, and they have the Mm -hmm. rights to, rather than the... So I do wonder if there was a slight legalistic aspect to it. As in, you know, yeah. no, you can't sue us because these aren't the same characters. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I mean, the Scarecrow, I think, looks a bit creepy because he's got this kind of funny, kind of gloopy, goopy, goofy, kind of watery face. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it looks a bit, it looks like it's going to sort of mm. run off his face at any point. <laughs> like, like a sort of egg has been <laughs> splatted on his face. And, yeah. Uh, pulled there in, in shapes but I don't know, I, um, the Tin Man looks pretty cool um, mm. the lion's a little bit creepy but, it's
0: definitely very shiny Yeah.
1: oh yeah yeah Um, the lion's a bit creepy but we only see him for like 10 seconds so it doesn't really matter <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, I mean you know it might have been a bit of a disappointment I guess for any kids who are like really looking forward mm. to spending lots of time with their old friends the Scarecrow, the Tin Man yeah. and the Lion because mm-hmm. they're not really considering they're on the front cover of the DVD.
0: Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my, yeah, my, my yeah. copy,
1: it has Dorothy, say with her strange Toby jug, like a face, which I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the drawing, um, mm. um, I, I, I must point out. Um Who's <laughs> a bomb, does not have a face like a Toby jug. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so on the front cover, it's got her, and then sort of, Belinda is sort of tucked under her arm, mm.
0: um,
1: and then... We've got um, TikTok and Jack, but then right next to them, and you know, taking up just as much of the space are the mm. Lion, the, the the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow. So it kind of suggests, mm. and they're all on the Yellow Brick Road. Oh yeah, and uh,
0: which, by the way, is uh, is broken up when we <laughs> encounter it. Yeah, yeah,
1: you really can't go <laughs> home again. Um.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So it
1: does suggest, I think, that the film is going to be rather more like The Wizard of Oz mm. than it actually is. Um, I mean, I guess personally, I enjoy it more <laughs> than The Wizard of Oz. I mean, probably mm-hmm. meant to be sacrilege to say. And, you know, they're doing very different things, to be fair. Mm. But I think why I like Return to Oz is it makes Oz into a very inhabitable world. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the fact that the fact that a lot of it takes place in this sort of slightly scrubby environments or you know, a slightly bleak looking woodland, for instance. Mm-hmm. And that it kinda of gives an earthiness to the fantasy for all the special effects, it feels quite earthbound for a fantasy film mm-hmm. to me. I guess for me I've often yeah. struggled with with fantasy, particularly in film rather than reading, because like mm-hmm. I sometimes just can't take it that seriously or it doesn't feel like a real place to me. Yeah. Like, I do like the Lord of the Rings films,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but there are times where it kind of just feels like I don't really believe in the world for some reason. I don't know, mm-hmm. there are just times, maybe it's the use of CGI or something, but there mm-hmm. are times where the world almost looks too perfect. You know, may, may, maybe New Zealand is just too perfect. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the issue. New Zealand looks too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm too I'm too used to like sort of run down English countryside or something. <laughs> <laughs> that that's probably a <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But ba-
1: basically a lot of Return to Oz looks kinda of dreary and run down and being being British that suits me just fine, you know? Yeah,
0: I mean that's 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 our that's our That's our home.
1: aesthetic.
0: <laughs> yeah, we love it. <laughs> Well, no, we don't. But it's all we know.
1: Is that, is, yeah, exactly. It's all we. We
0: can't believe in anything exactly.
1: else. Exactly, it's all we know. When we're small-minded, masochistic people, so it's <laughs> all we want to know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about this curious film? Um, I, I don't think. I think that's. Um, I think we covered it all. I mean, I don't. I mean.
1: Yeah. I, I I don't know if I've got across quite how odd it is, because
0: it, re- <laughs> yeah. it really
1: is quite an odd
0: film. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, oh, yes, uh, so after after the Gnome King, Ozma gets uh, released from the mirror, and... Um,
1: well that there's a parade I'm a little
0: bit vague about what actually I, I did watch this recently well the, but...
1: the end it does finish fairly in a fairly perfunctory way to be honest yeah so there's a bit of a parade we see um, yeah we see the line for like five seconds there's a bunch of people all in green so they're obviously Emerald City people and mm-hmm. then Dorothy's like right better go guys and they kind of put a bit, up a bit of token resistance you're like oh mm. don't go <laughs> <laughs> but um gives everyone a hug and then off she goes, and then she's yep. back by the riverbank.
0: Hmm. And um. And uh, Toto's there, like yapping away. And um, oh, we get
1: a great we I get guess. a great Toto point of view shot.
0: <laughs> we get a
1: Toto point of view through the undergrowth. It's brilliant. It's like something or, from Blair Witch, or like <laughs> it's like a camera going right down through the grass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he finds Dorothy, and then then. Um, Aunt Em wraps her in a blanket, and um, yeah, we see that the uh, the hospital's burned down, and we see uh, uh, the nurse uh, being taken away in a in a wagon. Or well, the back
1: of a police wagon.
0: Yeah, the back of a police wagon, and um, yeah, yeah, it's back to the farm, and uh, Uncle Henry's working on the house again. And
1: although it does uh, have a slightly melancholy note, right, because Dorothy sees uh, Ozma in the mirror back in mm. her bedroom and she calls and says oh, Aunt Em! And then Aunt Em calls back up and says yes and then Ozma in the mirror sort of goes shh at Dorothy mm. and Dorothy says oh no no it's nothing and she kind of tilts the mirror and then when Aunt Em comes into Dorothy's bedroom she just says oh don't, don't tilt the mirror Dorothy or something like that and you know go mm. outside and I don't know it kind of felt to me that you know Dorothy's just learned from her traumatic experiences that she must keep Oz to herself that this yeah this this world got to keep this as a private space right that that it's not something she can share with her family
0: yeah and because otherwise it disrupts everything
1: yeah and well she's taken away to receive electric shock therapy
0: yeah Um, and as I haven't read any of the (laughs) further in the series I don't know about Dorothy's continuing involvement with Oz. Uh, scariest moment?
1: Oh gosh, scariest moment. Uh, probably the screaming heads. So, what, 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 what do you find scariest?
0: Uh, I mean, I think I have to go for the wheelers, just because I did actually jump when um, when the first wheeler <laughs> appears and like <laughs> cackles at <right laughs> <in> Dorothy's face. <laughs> But there's plenty of candidates. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think I don't find the wheelers scary because, as I mean, you know, TikTok's not very impressed by the wheelers, right? And because they're <laughs> so obviously like try hard, they're just like the sort of bratty punks. They're like, yeah, we're yeah. the wheelers, you know, like, oh, shut <laughs> up, <laughs> go away, the wheelers?
0: <laughs> cool. So, um, so you can find us on Twitter at, um, at still scared pod or email us at uh, still scared podcast at gmail.com um our opening music is by maki yamazaki our ending music is by joe kelly uh ital and our artwork is by letty wilson and i'll put all their details as usual in the show notes um do you have a sign off for us adam
1: Oh, I don't know. I feel I feel like it should be some kind of egg based pun, basically, because of the, the egg <laughs> or the egg humour. Um mm. the, the, I'm just thinking of the big egg joke in my head again now.
0: Um Yeah. I mean what what's what's big and small a, 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 at the same time. A big
1: egg. Aggamentary oh. <laughs> my dear Watson. <laughs> Um. that'll do bye
0: (laughs) that'll do (laughs) see ya
1: Of these two great gentlemen, Bill and Egg, be excellent to each other.